Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel of the Series, one by one. There are spoilers for the episode we are watching and past episodes, but no spoilers for future episodes. I'm Harrison, and I am anything but bored now. And I'm Jason, and my New Year's resolution is to not piss off witches. <laughs> Harrison, what? Horrid episode. And I, when I say horrid, I don't mean like, oh, it was a bad episode. Yeah. I mean like, the things in this are horrid to watch. Are we watching this week? Uh, we are watching Buffy Season 6, Episode 20, Villains. Um, I'm not going to beat around the bush. This is the one where Willow murders Warren by flaying him alive. Yeah. Imagine, imagine it's 1997, okay? You're, Jason, you're what, like, seven years old? Uh, if it's before October, then yes. Okay. So, you're sitting down, you've just watched the pilot episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you're like, I love this Willow girl. And then a portal appears next to you, and you, from 2023, step out of that portal, and you're like, in about six years... She's going to flay a guy. And you've popped right back into that time portal. I imagine seven-year-old Jason would be like, what's flaying? Yeah, I I, I have to admit, like, I did read a lot as a kid, but I don't think I came across that specific term for a while. That was um, my long-winded and a roundabout way of just saying, this would be just, this is, like, look how far our girl has come. Yeah. (laughs) And we're proud of her <laughs> <laughs> villains was written by our girl marty noxon yeah and was directed by david solomon and originally aired on may 14th 2002 yes it did Harrison, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And um, to all our lovely listeners, uh, to any holiday, uh, happy holidays to any that who celebrate those holidays. Yeah. I am grateful to have gotten through December. Oh, Uh, man. It was... No idea. It was a rough one. It's been a minute because we have... Jason and I have not had literally the time to do anything except our jobs uh and family commitments and the show that you were in um the last time we saw each other was when we recorded wasn't it our last episode probably yeah um for listeners who don't know my job december is our busiest time of year it is um you know we have an annual christmas show that uh, we do that is, you know, a big money maker, And so, you know, I was working six days a week all month long. Um, and this year we decided, hey, why don't we do a second Christmas show? Just for fun. <laughs> um, and then John's job, Christmas, is also a really huge time of year. And actually, he's been working even more than I have. He's um, Christmas Day was his first day off um in like three weeks um like he even had to work on christmas eve um yeah and then so it's just been and you know the holidays already are 
or a stressful time of year. So what, really? <laughs> oh, hadn't you heard? He, he, he says as somebody who had one day to do all his Christmas shopping. I still haven't done all my Christmas shopping. <laughs> I legitimately. And we're recording this on December twenty eighth, my dad's birthday. Uh, oh, happy birthday, Jason's dad! Um, no, we have to go do more Christmas shopping tomorrow <laughs> because we're doing Christmas with my dad's family on Saturday. Right. So, um, but yes, uh, we, there was, I think I managed to get my shopping done in two days. Um, but it legitimately was like, we got, or no, we kind of had to split it up across three days, but it was like getting stuff for my mom's family. Cause we did Christmas with them on the 20th. Like, okay, got them out of the way. And now we can focus on John's family and like, yeah. okay, great. Now we got them out of the way. And, I, and now it's time to deal with my dad's family you know, we found gifts for each other as well in the midst of all of that. But so that's how my holidays were. How were your holidays? Honestly, once I finally like uh, my job has been slowly driving me insane mm-hmm. uh, this whole year, really. But definitely this month and uh, my last day of work um, before Christmas was the 22nd. And it was like I, I can't share too many details about my job, but. Right. In the span of like five minutes, um, a couple things happened, including like almost an actual fire. Oh my that god! I had to um, that I had to uh, deal out with. Like, yeah, I always joke about how I'm, you know, as quality assurance, I'm putting out fires. Well, I got to try to prevent an actual fire from happening. As <sighs> someone whose workplace, previous workplace. Um, did catch fire one time while I was there um, that led to months of repairs and uh, stress. Uh, I that's that it, that is so scary. <laughs> like, yeah, I have like you were saying that, and I was like I was like having a little bit of residual trauma. <laughs> I was like, but uh, but no on um, on Friday. Uh, well, obviously, like I was in a production of a Christmas Carol, and uh, we had a sold out run at High New Arts Center. And it was so much fun. Like, I, I'm honestly a little sad at how I was, um, I felt like my job, which I had to do, was weighing me down. And it was like, oh, I've got, I've got the show that I'm in. It's taking up a lot of my spare time, but dang it, I love it. At least you were enjoying it. I was. And honestly, like, that is what actually kind of finally convinced me to throw my own Christmas party, which I did... That Friday night. By the way, also this last week before Christmas, I had my kitchen floors redone. Um, so I had, which got delayed. So I had all of like a day to get my house ready for the Christmas party. But Friday night came, um, my trivia group came over and it was delightful. We're going to try doing it every year now. Nice. Um, and then uh, Saturday was spent with my dad's side of the family. Uh, Christmas Day was spent with uh, my mom's side, and um, I took like an extra day off after Christmas, and it was kind of what I needed to get yeah. myself back in the back in the game. And now I'm ready to finish the year strong, and I always look forward to starting the new year. Yeah, um, me too. There's something nice about it's a blank slate, a blank slate, yeah. even though it's not really like, but it does. It, it, I you know, I can convince myself that it is. <laughs> Um, I mean, I know, yeah, and, I, and I know people like say a lot of things about how, oh, there's no point in making New Year's resolutions. You never hold to them. But 
I love making New Year's resolutions. I love the idea of people like wanting to better themselves for the new year. I mean, if they don't go through, then that's okay. I mean, at least you, at least you like sat and thought about it for a while and thought, what can I do to improve? Yeah. And yeah. I don't really think, I don't really do resolutions. It's just never been my thing. But I do like to think about like goals for the year mm-hmm. that are less like, and I don't know, maybe I'm splitting hairs and it's kind of the same no, thing. No, okay. But it's like, you know, I want to try to read X amount of books. Yeah. Which I did not hit this year <laughs> at all. Um, but, um, you know, I want to try to, I, I, you know, I want to try to do these things or achieve these things. Um, but yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to the new year. Me too. But we must celebrate a little bit of Christmas. Aww. And Harrison surprised me last year with a Christmas gift while we were recording. So I'm giving Harrison his Christmas gift while we're recording. Okay. So what's hilarious, though, is like it's been sitting here staring at me while we watched the episode. John got to open his Christmas present, um, and I had to wait. By the way, that around your neck, that was your Christmas present. It was the, the, <laughs> yeah, I love it. The bone necklace we brought you from Sweden. Thank you. This is Gold Dust Woman. It is a biography of Stevie Nicks. I believe it's an autobiography. An auto, uh, um, no, just a regular okay, okay. old. Okay, I thought, I thought it was an autobiography. Uh, that's okay. I, I'm not gonna lie, like, I, when I went into Barnes and Noble, I, in my mind, I was like, okay, I want to get Harrison either, like, a biography of somebody from Fleetwood Mac or Pink, and... I like walked right by a table and they had that nice. book and I'm like, oh man, Harrison would love it. Okay, so I do love this because Stevie is my favorite Fleetwood Mac member. Um, it's like Stevie and then Christine and then the boys. <laughs> <laughs> the boys in the band? Who cares? Um, no, they're all wonderful, amazing, talented musicians. Um, but... I- they're also kind of assholes. A little bit. <laughs> um, at least Lindsay Buckingham is. <laughs> we were, you know, it's so funny. We were talking, we were discussing this uh, at John's parents' house this weekend. We were talking about the love square of Stevie Nicks, Lindsay Buckingham, Christine McVie, and, and McVie. John McVie. Oh, John McVie. That's and right. well, that's the thing we were joking because because um, well, this f- came out of that flight of the Concords clip. Uh, that's about Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were they described it as a love square, and I was like, you know, and it's funny that the fifth member of the band is the one whose name is actually, you know, in the band, is the one who's just like minding his own business, <laughs> like, you know. Um, but no, thank you, Jason. I, it's funny because I was a little worried. Um, it was. Uh, about the same size as a book that I got for Christmas from my brother, which is the, um, it's um, Alien 3, but not the Alien 3 that you know. Um, it's a novelization of an unproduced script um, that was an early pitch for Alien 3. All right. That um, focuses really heavily on um, Hicks. Um, okay. And it was released like a year or two ago, and I've been wanting it really bad, and my brother got it for me. So when I saw you brought that in, it's like, it's like literally the same size, like about the same length, and I was like, oh god, I hope it's not, I hope it's not that book. Um, No, I love this. Thank you, Jason. Well, you're welcome. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I I love you and John both. Uh I I love the, 
I love doing the podcast, even though we haven't gotten to do it in a while. I actually did get, um, so in our cast bios for Christmas Carol, uh, you know, a lot of people like sharing, um, oh, these are my favorite roles and stuff like that. And this time I was kind of just like, oh yeah, I'm so excited to be in this production of Christmas Carol at Highview Arts Center. Um, if you want to hear Jason talk about vampires and drink... You can listen to him on the podcast, <laughs> Booze and Buffy. And I actually did get a message on Instagram of somebody who started listening because they saw that I love they saw that. that in my bio. They said, uh, "He said, uh, hang on, let me let me say exactly let me see exactly what they said because it, it was really funny." Is uh, it something like, "Hey, you said you were on this podcast, and I've listened to three episodes." Yeah, like um, it's a yeah, Sydney Prescott Hampton. Um, Saw you had a Buffy podcast in your bio for Christmas Carol. Wanted to let you know it's good advertising and at work. My partner and I will be listening. Ah, that's so sweet. Yeah, it's and it's also like really funny to be in a cast of, be in a cast of like people that you don't know at all, mm-hmm. and every time you like throw out a random fact about yourself, like, oh yeah, I'm on a podcast called Booze and Buffy. Everybody's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, suppose we should do a toast. Yeah. Um, I'm having thanks, a... thanks, guys, for listening to our <laughs> festivities. Yeah. Uh, and that'll just be my toast. Just Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Holidays, and Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm drinking a gin and tonic, and Jason's drinking wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the best Franzia box wine there is. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the flan. Yeah. <laughs> um. Why don't we, why don't we get the Terra stuff out of the way up top, and then we can just kind of have fun with the rest of the episode. Yeah. Um, so I want to do address a bit. You know, we 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 decided in our Seeing Red episode because the conversation was had already been so heavy yep. around the sexual assault, um, and you know the episode was um, it didn't run long, but we were like it was we were at an hour and a half, which is. Where I, I like to keep the episodes if we can. Um, so we decided to push the, this discussion, the barrier gaze stuff, to this week, which feels more appropriate. Yeah. Um, anyway. But, um, so yeah, so for anyone who is unfamiliar with the trope of barrier gaze, um, it is the idea that um, queer characters, uh, queer female characters in particular are killed off at a disproportionately higher rate than straight counterparts. Um, which considering, especially at this period of time, how low the representation already was... It's a little it's, bit similar to the trope of like uh, the black character dying first exactly, in the Exactly, or the fridging, which I would argue that this also is a bit of a fridging, um, just not for the... Uh, the uh, um, not for the purposes of developing a male a male character. Um, I, I I frequently go back and forth on how I feel about this, and you know I might feel totally different from tomorrow. But unfortunately, so I I, I think it people have gotten really negligent about defining barrier gaze and. It's we've kind of looped around onto the other side of the discussion where now gay people 
can't be killed off in shows lest it be that trope and i don't think that's necessarily fair um but i do still understand why the trope is problematic well it it sticks out in this because you know in spite of the fact that our main character has died twice yeah she's come back both times and you haven't really had a main character of the show killed off to this point except for maybe joyce yeah and one can make the argument that she isn't a main character i would say that given her number of appearances and her importance to the show just mm-hmm. like tara even though tara only got like the star billing once yeah um i would argue that both joyce and tara are main characters yeah. so the fact that a show that while frequently dealing with death one of the like few main characters that they kill off is uh is a gay character a gay woman yeah it doesn't look great it doesn't look great um and that is rough and on the other side though i here's my thought process on this and it is a bit of a damned if you do damned if you don't i think Mm -hmm. um because whedon has said that if Oz were still in the picture, he would have been killed off at this point. And I do believe that. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's bullshitting. Um, because I do think the Dark Willow arc um, is was both inevitable and necessary. Well, the fact that it's honestly been building up since the season two finale when she yeah. uses the reinstallment spell. Yeah. Like, that's the first time you get the black eyes mm-hmm. of Willow. And obviously like now our eyes are black all the time yeah yeah i think i just think we've always been heading this direction and unfortunately i don't think there's a way to get here without killing tara or alternatively in a different narrative you know if seth green had never left the show killing oz um or whatever love interest willow had formed a, a deep deep connection with i mean you know, I we could maybe make the argument that Tara survives and is comatose for the rest of the season. That also feels like a cop-out. It feels like a bit of a cop-out. It also feels like we're just copying what happened to Tara last season yeah. with Glory. The only reason I kind of bring that up, though, there is one aspect to that that I think could have been really interesting, not for this storyline, but if Tara had survived... And Willow had done all of this in her name. I would like to see what the dynamic between the two characters is in the next season. Interesting. How does Tara feel about what Willow has done mm-hmm. on her behalf? That's where I'm like, ooh, that's almost that's a storyline that I could I could get over the contrivance of you know coma Tara or whatever yeah. if we could get that storyline. But we don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tara is dead. Yeah. Uh, And I think, honestly, I think we're also just sad because we love Tara so much. Yeah. Like, and she was such a wonderful character. Like, Willow says that, like, her light is gone. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, to say that Tara was the light in Willow's world, but also, um, I mean, Buffy's reaction to Mm -hmm. Tara, to finding out about Tara's death was so good. Yeah. Um, Sarah plays it really well. It's understated, but still very well, devastating. Yeah. <clears throat> As I mentioned to Harrison before we start recording, I'm getting over a bit of a cold, so 
in the in the uh, wet coughing part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if if it had been if it had been like a really big reaction, would have taken away from what is obviously meant to be this important moment for Willow. Mm-hmm. But I think what she does is very um, appropriate for the relationship that we knew that she and Tara had. Yeah. That that Buffy and Tara had. Yeah, I, I think for me the most devastating reaction we see is Dawn's. Oh yeah, um, it's it's brutal. And I think you don't even get to see it. Yeah, like um, like you, you know she she walks in, sees Tara's body, and then like it goes to white. Yeah, I like that transition, that fade to white. Um, it's yeah. Ugh. Oh my gosh, I'm getting chills. Um, but all that is to say, I just I think that. I think that this death is unfortunately a necessary part of the narrative. Yeah. An upsetting one. And yes, one that's part of a larger problematic trend. Um, and, and, and this is why I kind of feel like why those sorts of tropes are harmful, not just in larger respects, but also just they're harmful to narratives. You know, when when you when this trope becomes so overdone that it's it negatively affects the narratives of shows that are using it in a not necessarily problematic way um i don't know if i'm articulating my thought very well but like i think it's where you're coming from like you know sometimes you know um sometimes queer characters should die in narratives where it is appropriate like their straight counterparts would like I wouldn't want to go to a slasher movie where the movie goes out of its way to make sure that no queer character gets killed um, unless it's appropriate for the narrative equal equal opportunity to get slashed exactly Um, but you know we've but the pendulum flung so far in one direction you feel like you almost have to let it fly super far in the other direction and then we can come back to a healthy middle mm-hmm. um so and you know the next time i watch the show i might go fuck this tara should have survived we should never have done this bullshit <laughs> and john will just be like <laughs> <laughs> i'll wake up in the middle of the night i'll shake him awake this is why tara should have survived It'd be like Go to sleep, you dumb <laughs> asshole. <laughs> um, so, yes. I, and I would love to hear this uh, other people's takes on this. Um, it's a wildly controversial death on the show. Um, you know, I know some people mark Tara's death as a jump the shark moment for the show. I personally don't. But... Um, yeah, I would say that um, a more... A more likely jump the shark moment was like the introduction of Dawn, but we have both discussed at length that we liked how the Dawn storyline played out in season five. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't th- really think Buffy ever. I don't think it ever the shark. No, yeah. I think it. Um, if it was going to, that was the moment. Yeah. Um, and they 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 stayed firmly mm-hmm. on the ground away from that shark. So, we start our episode uh, in uh, outside of the Summer's house. Um, Xander is leading uh, some EMTs to uh, Buffy's 
uh, Buffy in the backyard. Um, she is alive, but it is not looking good. Um, they, you know, they load her up uh, upstairs in the house. Willow summons the god Osiris. Yeah, she's trying to do the same <laughs> ritual that um, she did to bring Buffy back to yeah. life. Um, and I just want to just, you know, a testament to how much her power really has grown. At the beginning of the season, she needed all the the jar and the, you know, all of these and things. she threw up a snake. She threw up a snake. She had to kill a little baby deer. Here she just yells at Osiris uh, and he comes. Uh, that's pretty fucking impressive. He doesn't give her what she wants, though. He does... And then uh, she yells him again. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, get the fuck out of here. But no, he tells her that... Uh, Very much a, he, what do we tell the god of death? <laughs> Not today. Fuck off. <laughs> um, no, he... Osiris explains that it was a uh, human death by human means. Um, unlike Buffy's death, which was by mystical means. So he... Uh, he will not be his ethereal hands are tied yeah and yeah Buff Willow screams and he like runs away essentially um hell hath no fury like a woman scorned yeah that's literally like the theme of this episode she is um you know in her rage we are seeing her tap into even before she gets her power boost her little one up mushroom in the magic box (laughs) Like, we're seeing her do stuff that we've never seen her do before. Um, and I think the show has done a really good job of showing that build of power yeah. for her. Um, I, I believe that in this moment of devastation, grief, anger, that she is tapping into something primal that she's never tapped into before. Yeah. And it's and it is kind of it is kind of like really sad to see this is how it goes. Mm-hmm. This is what everybody was afraid of. Yeah. After, like, all the strides that we've seen her make. I mean, we talked before. We talked at length about how we don't like the the allegory of drugs mm-hmm. as the storyline. But at the same time, in episodes like Double Meat Palace, you're very happy for, like, oh, Willow was able to help solve all of this. Mm-hmm. Without using magic. And, you know, in Double Meat Palace, she's like, I wanted to use magic, but I didn't. And while well, Bubby's getting strangled by the, <laughs> by the giant, like, penis monster. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is It is sad, while believable, to see all of that hard work come crumbling down. Um, so, um, outside, Sander is um, helping the paramedics get Buffy. Not helping. He's standing there watching. Uh, as they load Buffy into the ambulance. He and... does hold the IV. Oh, he you're right. He guy. is holding the IV. Um, Willow comes out of the house. Um, Xander explains that Warren shot Buffy. And she she just is like, Warren. And storms off. Um, Xander is, of course, too preoccupied with the Buffy of it all to notice that Willow is also covered in blood. Um, yeah. And, you know... Obviously, I think in another situation he would have followed Willow, but you dude know, dude is like, dude has a lot of stuff to deal with. He's got a lot of stuff. I I love Xander in this episode. I think this is a great Xander episode. I, I know we were struggling with him, but I made, he made his apologies. I think. Um, 
I think this episode and the next two are fantastic Xander moments. Mm-hmm. Me too. And we'll get into them yeah. as we get to them. Um, we do check in with uh, Andrew and Jonathan over at the police station. Um, this scene's just here maybe just for a bit of comic relief. Um, we are, unfortunately... <laughs> um, we are relying on some unfortunate uh, prison rape jokes that I did accidentally laugh at one of them. I, I just laughed and then was like, oh shit, that's kind of icky. It's, um, I mean, it, it's been a part of this. Like, those jokes have been a part of this oh, yeah. for so long. For so long. We even get a name drop of Oz, um, the television show, not the great and powerful. Um, or the werewolf. But, on the show. Yeah. Uh, but they are debating whether or not Warren is going to rescue them. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what Oz is, Oz is yeah. the is actually kind of um, everybody talks about how The Sopranos mm-hmm. was like the show that solidified HBO as like kind of the prestige prestige drama channel. But Oz actually came before it. Yeah. It is about like um, the prison system, and it had. It featured a lot of actors that would go on to have big roles in not just movies, but also other HBO mm-hmm. dramas. But um, that's kind of widely considered to be the first mm-hmm. HBO original drama, which would lead into, I believe, like its popularity would lead into The Sopranos yeah. and um, The Wire. The Wire. Yeah, it was kind of, I feel like for HBO, it was kind of that one, two, three punch. Oz came in, got people's attention. Um, Sopranos the Sopranos up, kept up that attention, yeah, and, and then the wires up, sealed set it. up the anti-hero storyline, yeah. and the wire is just a masterpiece of television. Yeah, yeah, I think not to sound like every white person who's seen the wire, <laughs> but damn, is it good? Yeah, um, yeah. Oz had Christopher Maloney, I think, is the the biggest name to come out of that, but like also Harold Perrineau, um, um, Richard Acevedo. Um, um, what was his name? The guy who plays uh, Broyles who passed away. <coughs> yes, uh, Lance Reddick. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. I, knew there was an, I knew there was another fringe actor that I was forgetting. And, you know, he would go on to play uh, um, Daniels in uh, The Wire. Oh, that's right. He yeah. did, yeah. Um, so, yes. Uh, Jonathan. Jonathan's like, Warren's not going to fucking come rescue yeah, us. It, at this point, it's like... <laughs> I mean, it's already been pathetic just how much Andrew mm-hmm. is, like, in love with Warren, that he's very much looking past all the, oh, he left us behind. Yeah. He's, he's like, he has fully deluded himself. He think you know, he's like, no, Andrew's got a plan. He wouldn't abandon us, you know, um, or Warren w- wouldn't abandon us, uh, but it's... Speaking I'd of feel del- worse for him okay. if, you know... Speaking of deluded himself... Warren goes into the demon bar. Oh my gosh, this seems hilarious. It really is. <laughs> like, it's... I And again, I have to give props to Adam Bush every oh, episode that he's in because every single moment he is on screen as Warren, he just is able to have this deplorable character... Mm-hmm. And, I mean, again, I'm sure he's one of the nicest guys in the world, but he plays a villain so well, like a villain that, honestly, 
I feel like the majority of Buffy villains, people love. Like, they love the characters. They love the mayor. You love glory. Yeah. Um, And Jealous is one of the most popular villains, not just of Buffy, but, like, of television. Yeah. And Spike! And Spike! Yeah. And, um, get a kind of a really cool villain next, uh, next, uh, season that we'll talk about when we get to it. Yeah. But Warren is just despicable people hate him he is despicable in in an uncomfortably realistic way yeah it's the same reason you know you see that people talk about people hate umbridge more than they hate voldemort yeah because she's a more realistic um hateable character um that someone might encounter in their real life sure if I were in a battle against and had to pick to fight glory or warren I'll pick Warren, but, like, Glory's fun. Like, you know. um, Yeah, like, all these, most of the Buffy Big Bads are... Fantastical. Yeah, fantastical, and they have this charm to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas Warren, his thing is misogyny. Yeah. His thing is, honestly, that's it kind of his thing. He does robots... And he does misogyny. Yeah. And he usually <laughs> works both of them together. Yeah, I was saying. <laughs> R.I.P. April. Um, no, he's, yeah, he's, and you know, I said at the beginning of the season that, like, you know, the trio as a whole, they they make sense in the, they're, they're kind of jarring at first, but they make sense in the wider context of the season. You know, they, we see them start off as a joke. Um, and, and we treat them as such and Buffy treats them as such. Yeah. Um, but you know, I would make the argument that they, you know, they and Warren in particular have done the most damage anyone has ever done to the Scoobies. Even, I mean, Angelus is second to that. I mean, he killed Jenny. Yeah. But, you know... We are see you know, Warren has killed a member of the team. And also, like, um, he, uh, I mean, technically Drusilla did it, but I mean, you know, Angelus enabled Drusilla to kill Kendra. Kendra, yeah. But here we're seeing, and that's horrible. Like, I don't want to be like, he only killed those two people. But what Warren has done is, yes, killed a member of the team and has set another member on a path of self-destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maybe... That's a little low-key note that the most dangerous people in the world are humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just wanted to like kind of reiterate what you said. I feel like the trio only works because of the Scooby's response to them. Yeah. Because like you said, they are treated like a joke in the writing, but also they're... But also, um, you know... It's more confusion, like, really? These guys? Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> all those demons are like, oh, uh, I'm going to kill all of you. And like, oh, sorry. <laughs> and so it, it starts off, like, as a joke, but, like, they get progressively more and more evil um, and despicable, probably with um, the death of that girl that Warren mm-hmm. killed. Um, what was her name? Katrina. Katrina, yeah. Um, yeah, with the death of Katrina, that's when you realize, oh, these guys are, at least one of, one of the three guys is actually really bad. Yeah. And, 
Yeah, and then how that sh- shakes their group and how it um, shakes Buffy and the Scoobies. Yeah. It, yeah, as controversial as the trio may be, I think how the trio... As con- like just like Dawn, as controversial as adding <laughs> Dawn might have been, I think the way that the story developed made it good. Yeah. So Warren goes to a demon bar, uh, missed opportunity that they didn't go. To, he didn't go to Willie the Snitches, but that's okay. Uh, he buys a round of drinks, boasting that he I'm sure this killed... is the same bar that uh, they were playing the kitten poker at. I think you're right. Yeah. Um. He. Yeah, he's boasting that he killed Buffy. Um, he's like, and no one knows who the fuck he is. And he's like, well, listen, I just went and I shot the Slayer in her backyard. And they all think, the bartender and this vampire and the other patrons, just think it's the funniest fucking thing they have ever heard. Uh, because what they don't know is that, or what they know, more doesn't, doesn't, is uh, they just saw a news report about a girl who got shot in her backyard who is in critical condition but is alive and they are like you dumb shit you dumb shit i love the one who's like um he's like uh he's like sure you can shoot her but you gotta aim well (laughs) like they're all laughing and war's just like this isn't the evil victorious laugh is it um but they they're like they also remind him that slayers are fast healers so she will be on his ass pretty quickly which is funny because she isn't she isn't yeah um as he later finds out buffy's not the person he should be worried about uh speaking of the person he should be worried about uh willow bursts into the magic box the way say buffy would burst into spike's crypt um and uh Minus the horniness. Minus the horniness. She saw Anya, and for a second there was a she, bit of horniness. She's but, horny for dark magic. She's um, so I want to, I, I want to put a pin on the story real quick, and I want to just talk about Anya's entire vibe because I, I'm loving it. She's got like black pants that are sort of a light checkered pattern. She's wearing a black top that's like with a kind of a high-necked uh little white collar and her hair it's a pretty simple ponytail but with like a sort of big swoop to one side i just thought she looked magnificent um i loved i loved the outfit i loved the hair i loved it okay so that's it um i and i think this outfit of of uh, of Anya's stands out to me because it and basically the rest of the characters, the costumes they're in this episode are pretty much what they're wearing the rest of the season. Um, because the neck, this these last three episodes of the season or last four really all just feed right into each other. Right. Um, I would almost say that this is a four part finale. Um. But but uh, Willow comes in, lights are short now, winds of akimbo, and Anya's like, Anya doesn't even care about the property damage that she's gonna have to pay for. She's <laughs> like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, she dark magic bugs. <laughs> uh, no, Willow. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so, yeah, Willow's like, she wants all the books on the dark magic. Anya tries to stop her, but she gets zapped. Willow loves zapping her friends this week. She's, anytime they try to do anything, she's like... <laughs> She gives all Palpatine on you, them. You said it's so gay when you said that. Like, Willow just loves zapping her loves friends. Oh zapping her friends. This episode has everything. <laughs> it has friend zapping, flaying. Um, we're laughing because it's all really intense and we're uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and hey kids, turns out if you ever want to read a lot of books at once, all you have to do is put your hands inside the pages and let the words come up to you. This is so fucking cool no no this is our big bad reveal yeah i yeah we finally have our big bad for the season yeah when we started recording i couldn't i i like to post a a picture of the dvd box set when we start recording the season i couldn't do that for this year because it has dark willow right ass there yes dark willow um but no this is um that like it looks like her like the I, I think the special effects here hold up. There's some yeah. wonky special effects, especially in like the zap lightning zap she does. Yeah. But this, when she puts her hands in, the words draining from the books and up to her skin, um, it going all up into her hair and like the hair changing color. It's fucking cool. It ass, yeah. It's so cool. I mean, does Willow now look like she's on her way to a Panic at the Disco concert? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but hey. It works. I really, really want, like, in her future, she's going to Panic at the Disco concert, and she's like, hmm, what, what outfit should I wear? And she's like, that was a really bad time in my life, but it'll be perfect for this concert. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this, this, this fucking rocks. It's metal as hell. Uh, what's not metal as hell is what happens to Dawn. Uh, she comes home... Doors open. Doors open. First of all, red flag. Yeah, and nobody proceeds to close the door at all. Like, Dawn doesn't even close the door when she comes in. No. I mean, I get that she's worried, but I mean, you can close the door behind maybe, you. I mean, okay, on the other hand, though, maybe this points to some good survival instincts on Dawn's part. I need to make sure that this door stays open so I can get out of here if I need to. Quick exit if necessary. Like... <laughs> Um, but no, Dawn goes upstairs, uh, she's, she's, you know, calling for Willow and for Buffy, and yeah, she unfortunately discovers, uh, Tara's body. Um, it is important to note that at this point, um, other than Willow, Dawn is the only person who knows that Buffy, Tara yeah, is Buffy dead. Buffy and Xander don't know, because Buffy, you know, is kind of in the well, middle of being shot. take that back. Anya knows as well. Okay. But, um... Uh, Buffy's in the middle of being shot and yeah. Xander is in the middle of trying to help Buffy yeah. being in the middle of being shot. <laughs> yeah, so no one called the school. Um, I mean, presumably, I would imagine Xander is on the... I, I, if I were Xander, I would assume that Willow's taking care of the Dawn situation because he doesn't know what else is happening. But, um, but yeah, we don't see her initial reaction, as we mentioned earlier, just fades to white, which is a really good transition. I think it's really effective. Um, I love a good fade to white. Um, I'm thinking of the season five finale of Lost. Um, I'm thinking of the (coughs) opening of the series finale of Six Feet Under, which you've not watched. I'm, I have not watched, but I know... I don't know the details of it, but I know 
why people love it. Yeah. I know why people say it's one of the best series finales ever. So, you know, it's funny. What people often really latch on to for that series finale is the end, Mm -hmm. which they should because it's beautiful. (laughs) But the beginning of the episode also has a really beautiful start that really primes you for like, okay, we're going, we're into it. This is it. This is, we're saying goodbye to this family. Um, and uh, and part of that is a fade to white, where the show usually does a fade to black. Mm. Um, so uh, at this point, Warren uh, freaked out about Buffy coming after him. Goes to uh, Rack. Uh, welcome back, Rack. And uh, I like this little bit where. Rack's like, how'd you find me? And he's like, one of your customers. I paid him $20. And Rack's like, you should have negotiated. Most of my customers will bring you here for five. <laughs> but um, he's like, yeah, I need to stock up on anything I can get to use against the Slayer. And Rack's like, oh, buddy, let me tell you. Ah, you're worried about the Slayer. <laughs> you got no idea, man. Um, it's really funny that... It's it, funny enough dark way that um even before he finds out what what willow's actually like pissed off about he still can't comprehend like he's like what did i ever do to her i mean other than shoot her friend and even rack has a moment of looking at him like this fucking guy (laughs) (laughs) um but no uh rack explains that yeah buffy survived but someone else is dead um and uh willow is stocking up on some power and he tells her she tells him she's gonna blow this town apart um so she's running on rage yep um and so yeah rack gives him some magic to protect himself but he's like i've done my part like best of luck to (laughs) you um at the hospital, we briefly peek in on a Sunnydale set spinoff of Grey's Anatomy, um, where okay, I I, I, I kind of said that as a joke, but the idea of like a medical drama set in a town on a Hellmouth, I don't hate it. It's kind of like um, <laughs> so the TV show Gotham, which I believe was based off of mm-hmm. the Gotham Central comic. Um, I watched I know, a few episodes of it, yeah, but I didn't really get into I'm it. I'm not going to like say anything about the show because apparently it was like bonkers in a weird way. Mm-hmm. But the Gotham Central comic was actually really cool because it does focus on the police officers in Gotham City. That you know, in addition to dealing with a lot of crime in general, also have to deal with the just wacko supervillains <laughs> and the vigilantes fighting them. Some beat officer is just like, I'm just trying to feed my kids. Yeah. It's like, oh no, not another Joker thing. I, I did not become a police officer to solve riddles. <laughs> um, but no, the, the doctors are struggling to keep Buffy alive. Um, Willow is watching from, or Xander is watching from like a window. Um, but then Willow comes in, she is, uh, she has changed into some dark clothing. Um, now she's ready for the panic. Yeah. Concert. Um, 
I will say I was, my first watch of it, I was a little bit annoyed that she took the time to change her clothes. Um, but it does make more sense later once we see what she does with her shirt um, that she was wearing. Um, but Will comes in, uh, orders the doctors and the nurses to leave, which they they do so readily that it must be a mystical influence. Um, because I would imagine if you were performing life-saving surgery on a like, woman get, who'd get just been shot, out. yeah, I would like, leave. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but Buffy, uh, Willow, that is. <laughs> Ten, or no, let's see. 14 years I've been watching this show and I still can't get these people's names fucking right. Uh, she magically uh, removes the bullet from Buffy um, and presumably does some magic surgery as well. Um, Buffy's skin heals at least. I imagine Willow was stitching some stuff together inside as well. I mean, she wakes up and feels fine. She's fine. She's a little groggy. <laughs> like, how did I get here? But um, Willow Willow gets a little soliloquy about uh, the bullet, about how small it is. Um, and then she just sort of magically disappears it. You know, put that in our back pocket, our little magical back pocket. Um, Buffy's Magical confused. Back Pocket is the name of my, my morning jacket cover band. Yeah, I like that. Uh... Will, Buffy's hella confused, and Buffy's Willow's just like, no, we gotta go fucking get Warren. So, this is a really cool sequence we get. Xander is driving, um, they're driving out of town. Um, I should, we should mention we did have a brief scene of, uh, Warren buying a bus ticket and being a dick to the, the woman selling him the ticket. Oh wow, shocker. Warren's <laughs> a dick to a woman. Yeah. I, I I literally only even mention it because it's like you know, it is an important like it's that detail is there specifically. Um but uh you know, Will is instructing Xander to drive faster when he doesn't drive fast enough to her liking. She magically pushes that pedal down. Um she wants him to turn and when he doesn't, she magically turns the car. I do like it when he just throws his hands up and goes, Fine, if Puppet Master wants to drive. <laughs> so, um, this scene is very interesting because I don't think people are aware of just what Willow is about to do. Yeah. Like, it seems that, oh, Willow got a power up, and now she, in the first thing she does with it is save Buffy's life. And now they're going after Warren. So you think that, uh, oh, it's Buffy, Xander, and Willow together. So everything's fine. Everything's good. Yeah. Nothing to worry about. Um, so it's like kind of lulls you into a false sense of security. Yeah. Um, Willow, yeah. Xander and Buffy are very concerned. You know, they're like, okay. Buffy's like, thanks for saving my life, but... What's, uh, with, the, what's with the makeover? <laughs> um, but yeah, they pull over to another part of the highway, uh, and Willow gets out and faces the this bus coming down the highway head-on, magically stops it, um, 
commands Warren to get off the bus. He does. And she grabs him and starts crushing his throat. Until his eye pops out. Until his eye pops out. And we get a, Warren is a goddamn robot. (laughs) Um, Slayer's a robot. Did anybody know that? Did everybody else know this? Um... And this is, I think this is the moment that it, you know, the, the, the flaying, the actual flaying at the end is very shocking, but this is our first, like, like she fully intended to kill him. Yeah. Right here. Um, and that's when Buffy and Zeta are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, Willow's, uh, we, we also find, you know, apparently she has been She's mad because she's been tricked. Apparently, Warren was able to put his essence in this robot somehow. Gross. Um, (laughs) We know what he does with the robots that he makes. (laughs) Um, But this is where finally Willow tells Buffy and Xander that Tara is dead. Um, You know, they're obviously devastated. um, But they, you know, they try to convince Willow that, you know, killing... Morin is not the answer. And um, they, you know, they, I really love this interaction. Willow tells Buffy, or Buffy tells Willow, you know, if you go down this path, you might not be able to come back. And Willow just says, I'm not coming back. Um, she's yes, awesome. <laughs> she, 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 you know, she goes, she goes to her go to move of zapping her friends. And then uh, magically disappears. Um, back at the Summer's home, Buffy and Xander, um, they get home. It's it's night. They go inside. Buffy finds Dawn in Willow and Tara's room, uh, where she's kind of been keeping vigil. Um, she, Willow, she's kind of huddled in a corner, but she tells Buffy she didn't want to leave her. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, Dawn... You've been through so much. You really shouldn't. I mean, be that's, that's exactly what Buffy says. Yeah, you've been in. A, you've been through enough for one ever. ever. Um, I love this moment between the two. You know, she hugs her, and she's and only she's only two years old. She's only two years old. Uh, Buffy hugs her. Uh, Don tells her, "Like, I don't understand." And Buffy can't. Buffy's only response to that is, "I don't understand either." It's very sad. Um, and they, they do get the uh, coroners to back. Yeah. yeah. To, well, I guess they weren't coroners earlier, yeah. but yeah, they uh, they take Tara's body, um, and Xander's the one who signs and is like, "Oh, you'll get more info tomorrow." Yeah. Um, and now we get this scene where, and uh, I mentioned that uh, the way that Buffy's hair is now looks makes her look like Joyce. Yeah, and. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but you can see the picture of Joyce in the background mm-hmm. while they're talking. So. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's still deliberately styled that way because it's not, it's not exactly the way Joyce styled her hair, but it's, it's got the waves that Joyce um, always had, um, and Joyce gets mentioned in this scene. Um, so I, I do think there's a deliberate. Um, I, I think so anyway. But um, Xander and Buffy are talking about how they need to find Dawn. Dawn, like they're like, or they need to find Willow because if they don't, 
Willow's going to kill Warren. And Dawn's response is good. And, and Xander sides with her too. Yeah. I what I love about this conversation, and this is just like peak Buffy. Uh, we've you know, we've had scenes like this before where even when the group is disagreeing with each other. You know, we can see every side to the to the debate. Well, I'm like I'm like emotionally, I'm on Xander and Dawn's side, where I'm like, yeah, make him fucking pay for what he did. I also I'm also on Buffy's side of like, you know, he deserves whatever is coming to him, but but Willow is in danger of destroying herself if she does it. Um, and that's what's, um, and, that, and that's kind of the side everyone takes in this episode. Later on, Anya says the same thing. Like she, when they, when Anya leads, uh, Buffy and Xander to Willow, she's not doing it for them. She's doing it for Willow. Um, which is very interesting considering how contentious that relationship has been in the past um everyone is so scared about what willow might do and not for warren's sake yeah um and yeah fuck him (laughs) um so they decide they're gonna start at the magic box um buffy doesn't want dawn staying alone normally this makes me roll my eyes but i actually feel it's a little justified here um, this feels less of Dawn needs a babysitter and more of Dawn just went through something tr- super traumatic again and also, she should be with somewhere she's yeah, safe. Yeah, and also the fact that like they've seen what Willow's capable of. Yeah. And they have no idea at this point who's safe and who's not. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Dawn shouldn't have to stay alone in the house where her surrogate mother was just violently killed. Like, no, I would. I mean, none That's of them. her sister was shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> gosh, just a pile of trauma onto this. It's like you need to be somewhere safe, and that is definitely not the Summers' house. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's like Don's been traumatized. Must been too. Must be Tuesday. Yeah, they go uh, to uh, Spike's crypt. Yeah, which... this is where Don, you know. Says, fine, if I have to go somewhere, I want to go to Spikes. Xander is rightly like, whoa. Yeah. But um, basically, Buffy, and I, I agree, see, in this, I agree, I see both of their perspectives, and like, time is of the essence. This is where Dawn has agreed she feels safe, and she is. She physically cannot be harmed by Spike. Um, so. Regardless of what happened before, this is this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, I you know, I it's Buffy's decision. That's the one she feels comfortable with. She I, probably feels a lot better when she finds out that Spike isn't there. And yes, it's Clem. Yes. Which, by the way, we love Clem. we love Clem. <laughs> um, I do. Um, I do a bit feel that maybe Dawn deserves a bit of. She doesn't deserve to know what happened to Buffy. But she is making this decision to go to Spikes because she feels safe there without knowing some pretty significant information. You know, we're so, we're under the gun here. Yeah. There there's no time to open up yet another trauma <laughs> right. that happened at the Summer's house. Yeah. Um so 
uh, we do get a brief scene before we go to Spike's crypt where Tara, uh, or Willow is in Tara's dorm room. Took me forever to figure out that that's where she was. Um, uh, but she has, she uses her shirt that was, uh, splattered with Tara's blood. Um, she magically commands it to create a map for her to show her where, um, where Warren is. I thought that was really cool. I liked it. Um, and also just like, we are, it's just another level of this magic that Willow has tapped into. She's not having to do the complicated rituals. She's not having to summon anything. She's not having to even like use spell words. Everything bends to her will now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a way that's, terrifying and we haven't even gotten to the scariest part of her in this episode Mm -hmm. yet uh but yes Buffy and Dawn show up at Spikes but they find Clem there this scene is warm like it's a warm scene in an episode that's got a lot of bad stuff going on well you know like you know Clem Clem just one he's doing Spike a solid yeah because he's like he doesn't want Spike to lose his lose his crypt this is a good crypt um, and it has a TV. <laughs> it has a TV. Uh, and, you know, all he wants to do is, like, snack. And uh, when Buffy asks him, like, oh, hey, will you, um, will you like, make sure that Dawn's safe? He's like, yeah, you know, we can play Parcheesi. We can uh, rent some videos. And, uh, and you know, Dawn at this point is like, yeah, that sounds great. I think, I think it's nice that she has somebody... Who doesn't feel like the world is going to shit. Yeah. Um, to look out for. Yeah. I just, I think it's a sweet scene. Like, it's nice to see Dawn and Buffy smile. Even though they're sad smiles. Like, um, yeah. But Buffy does. If you can be somebody from this episode, be Clem. Be Clem. Be Clem. Um, Buffy does ask where Spike is. And he's basically just like, oh yeah, he, he just left town. And Buffy's... I almost feel like part of Buffy's internal monologue is like, another one left town? God damn it. But she does, it does feel like a weird mix of relief and sadness. Um, which just does highlight how unhealthy that relationship was. Three out of the four guys I've had sex with have left town. <laughs> um, Maybe so, I'm the problem. <laughs> Buffy, honey, you're not the problem. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got a problem with choosing men, but that's that's not <laughs> yeah all on you. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm there's nothing we can really discuss about this next scene until the end of the season, so I'm just gonna describe what happens. Uh, we're in Africa, I guess, kind of generic Africa scene. We're in a a village that is meant to look like definitely not a modern city but more of like that stereotypical very stereotypical yeah yeah. stereotypical ancient village Um, and uh, Spike goes into these caves he sees some paintings and a voice asks him like oh what is it you want and um, he says, like, uh, is it about a woman? Spike says, like, uh, oh, I've got this chip in my head. And once again, people are like, ah, you got castrated. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, oh, don't worry. I'm going to, sh- like, do, what I, um, do whatever you want. The uh, demon mentions that, uh, 
Also, I think the demon demon design's kind of cool when it's in the uh, when because you don't fully see it. Yeah, it's mostly in the shadows, but its eyes glow. Yeah, it, lo- like. it looks pretty cool. You can kind of get the hint. There's like a tail or something in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and he says like you won't be able to withstand the trials. And Spike says like do your worst. I'll show the Slayer, and that things are gonna change. Which is pretty much what he said at the end of the last episode yeah. too. So we don't. Like, you, you don't necessarily know, like, all, all you know is that he's pissed off about this chip. Yeah. Um, as he has been since season four. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, we can't really talk about what's, yeah. what's going on until it's actually revealed. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what yeah. happens in the scene. Yeah, that's your Spike update. Uh-huh. Uh, meanwhile, with Spike. Um, but um, back in Sunnydale... Uh, we go to Xander goes to the magic box. Um, Anya's recovering from what uh, Willow did to her. Um, she explains that she can feel uh, Willow's cry for vengeance. It's like taken over the entire town. Um, and this is where Xander discovers that uh, Anya has become a vengeance demon. He asks her when. She like she doesn't actually roll her eyes, but she rolls her eyes with her voice when she responds, "When do you think?" Yeah. <laughs> um, Buffy arrives shortly after. I know there are, there's no such thing as a stupid question, but <laughs> stupid question. Stupid question. Uh, Buffy arrives shortly after, also receives this information, um, and this is a great moment of acting from Sarah. Shock, shocks, but it's a moment of like. You can see her register it and then kind of go like, not my priority, but like, definitely alarming. (laughs) There is so much shit happening right now and I can't, I... That is a whole nother thing for a whole nother time. <laughs> yeah. One of my, my friend, my other friend is being actively evil right now. I have to worry about that than you potentially doing something evil. <laughs> um... But she, yes, she, they do question uh, why shouldn't she be helping uh, uh, Willow? And um, I was like, nope, Willow wants to do it her fucking self. Yeah. So, but she does agree to help them, as I mentioned earlier, but um, she's not doing it to help them. She's doing it to help Willow. And she's like, she's in the woods, which we joked as we were watching the episode. It's like. That's not helpful. <laughs> this town is mostly woods and cemeteries. And that was Jason Stoke. I just want to give credit yeah, to her. <laughs> yeah, I said, like, that's like saying that she's in the cemetery. <laughs> which one? Which one? I mean, maybe I'm just used to being in Louisville, which is a decent-sized city. I mean, it's no Chicago, but we have multiple cemeteries, mm-hmm. multiple woods. We even have multiple forests. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. All right. Deep breath, Ooh. because... This is so yeah. This metal as hell. (laughs) That's one word for it. In the aforementioned woods, um, Willow is uh, stalking Warren. Um, Warren does manage to, he thinks, sneak up on her and uh, plunge an axe into her back. Um, She falls, and here's his. This is my opinion because she's down for like. A good 10 seconds. I think, one, she never even needed to fall. 
And two, even if she did fall like naturally from this, she could have been back up in a second. All of this is for dramatic effect. She, you know, she wants to scare the shit out of him. Yeah. So she, she falls, she fates plants, and then she, like, levitates back up. Like, I'd imagine I, Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Thank you, because I was like, I was like, I'm doing this with my hand, and it's not <laughs> helpful for an audio format. Um, she's like, she just pulls that axe out, and she's like, no, an axe won't cut it. Not gonna cut it. But don't bumps. Um. That line, I was like, I rolled my eyes a bit at that one. I was like, okay, I'll allow it. But... <laughs> um, she, uh, Warren tries to use, as he runs away, he tries to use several of uh, the things he got from Rack. He has this little winged bomb that she just turns into glass. Um, she also, he also like covers her this like ooze that traps her for like a second before she just melts it with her eyes um and then yeah she finally she just has some vines come and like bind him uh very evil dead um and uh she um you know he, he, he starts talking a big game you know he's basically like you know you won't get away with this I'll you know, I'll win, blah, blah, blah. And this was a weird moment where Willow has this sort of realization that Tara wasn't the first woman that Warren killed. Um, and she does, like, this spell where she has, like, a vision of Katrina come out. And that, that I don't have the problem with. I, I was just, I was a little confused because I thought they already knew that he killed Katrina. Um, well, I thought that um, I thought that maybe Buffy found out. Yeah, um, but maybe she didn't share with anybody. I'm trying to think of what. So, because Buffy finding out that Katrina and Warren had a connection is what made her realize that she didn't kill. Yeah, Katrina. And I, so I guess that they she never got confirmation that Warren did it, but it felt like a pretty one-to-one leap to make um and then it just feels a little weird that she wouldn't have told them that um yeah well that's the dramatic that's what we're doing but yeah katrina comes out and taunts him and uh he when he uh she's like i should have killed you before you killed me and he basically Ward just screams out of her that he she deserved it. Yeah, um, no, there's so many points where Warren like um just goes to his default misogynistic mm-hmm. personality and um like you know he calls below a bitch. Yeah. Um he uh and I feel that in the past like saying these things has like thrown women off and allows him to gain an upper hand, but Willow's just, like, unfazed by Mm -hmm. all the shit that he's saying. Like, she, no matter what he says, she just keeps going on with what she's doing, even to, like, the point where she's just, like, stitches his mouth shut. Yeah. She, um... She... Uh, she rips his shirt open, magically. 
Um, and she explains to Warren what, um, you know, the damage a bullet does mm-hmm. as it enters a person. And she produces the bullet that she removed from Buffy. Um, and she, ver- this part's really like, oof, because she pushes it into him at, at presu- and presumably doing all the same damage that it would do normally but extremely slowly. Yeah, and she's just explaining what the bullet does as she's moving that bullet into him. And she's... um, She's very monotone, very, like, straightforward, but there is a brief second where she stops talking about the technical side of what the bullet is doing and she um and she's like she says something along the lines of like you know just a small piece of metal can destroy everything and it's Allison does a great job with this because for a second our willow is back mm-hmm. like that we see the the mask of the rage drops for a split second and the um, and the grief comes through. Um, and then yeah, he says yeah, some more misogynistic anger, shit. Anger fueled by grief is one of the most dangerous things. I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, he uh, he starts saying more misogynistic shit. So she kind of snaps back out of it, and she just yeah, she magically sews up his lips. Um, I thought this prosthetic looked really good. Um, no, um, this. I believe this is one of the, if not the most gruesome scenes in the entire series. They could Um, never have gotten away with any of this scene when they were on the WB. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, no, I think, like, the, also, like, you can see the red, Mm -hmm. um, where the bullet's going in. So, uh, it, it does look like it's doing that damage, but it's not bloody or anything, it's just like um, kind of like the skin itself is getting red, which I yeah. think is a good effect. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then uh, Buffy, Anya, and Xander show up just in time to see uh, see Willow like cut open the threads, and uh, that's when Warren's just like, "Oh, please, please, I'll, I'll do anything. I need jail. Um, like I, yeah, just like I, I give up. I'm." Yeah. And then the Willow, iconic line. Willow says the iconic line. Bored now. Flicks her head, and oh. just all of Warren's skin flies off his body. Yeah, it is gruesome, and yes. the camera lingers on it for not a long time, but far longer than I would have expected from a network television yeah, show. Yeah, and and, uh, and Buffy is Buffy who says like what did you do? Yeah. Yeah, and because you know, that's gruesome as shit. It's gruesome as fucking shit. Uh, even even fucking Anya is like, "Whoa." And then um she like incinerates what's mm. left of Warren's body. Yeah. And says one, one down. down. Which ironically can you guess what the name of the next episode is? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, one down. And then she just disappears. And that's the end of the episode. Woo! It is... Yeah. You know, when we were getting close to this episode, 
I actually went onto YouTube to watch this scene in particular, mm. um, just to like remind myself, like, God, was it really as like gruesome as I remember it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Like, and it's like, and it's not like I've never seen more gruesome stuff, but like Buffy's never gone this far. Buffy has never gone this far. Um, even I, I'm trying to think. I don't even think Angel has ever done something this this gruesome. And and you know, Angel always push that envelope mm-hmm. a little more in regards to the violence um it's so shocking uh and it's so like like i feel no grief for warren but i am like willow what the fuck did you do yeah. like like this is beyond um yeah like and you know, and I don't think I don't think the flaying would be as effective if we didn't have this torture sequence that leads up to yeah. it. We see the escalation of the violence throughout the scene. I think this is as gruesome as the show could get. Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah. Oof. Well, that was <laughs> I think this is a great episode. It I... is. I mean, I... We have spent multiple seasons building up to this moment when Willow becomes Dark Willow. Yeah. And it, it seems like, uh, you know, we're in the end game of season six, a season that has basically shown the characters to have gone through insane trauma. And now one of them is broken. Yeah. And I think. Uh, and I feel like as much as there are a lot of people out there that don't like season six. Which fair. Yeah. I think even those people, though, love these last few episodes. I think so. Because Dark Willow is one of the iconic villains of the series. Yeah. I just... Yeah, it's so... I do find... I, I do do sometimes see people be like, Dark Willow comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, you did not watch the show. Yeah. Dark Willow has been obviously something building up to all season, but season five was leaning heavily into it. And as you said, even as far back as season two, um, but we all, but the, the, the fact of the matter is Willow is a dark character that she can, she kind of hides it though, because she's so cute and she's, she's peppy. But even before all this, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to, um, you know, back in um, Wild at Heart, where she was going, her she was going to curse Veruca, um, and it was not. It, she didn't seem to care if that curse might possibly kill Veruca. Um, we see that we've seen throughout the show, as far back as the very first episode, that Willow has a bit of a petty, vengeful streak. Um, you know, in the first episode of the show, she tricks Cordelia into deleting her homework um, because she was rude to Buffy. And, like, obviously, far cry from what she's doing yeah. now. But that side, that vengeful side of her has been there all along. It's just that she has been, she's gotten more comfortable tapping into it and going to darker places. And it's all led to this. Yeah, and I believe that, like, the reason that Tara broke up with her was because 
it was out of concern and fear mm-hmm. because she says like you're using too much magic and this is what she was afraid of that she would tap into powers that yeah. she I mean she either can control or even worse can control and use for whatever she wants like mm-hmm. flaying somebody yeah and that's why I do think the drug metaphor um, if we even want to call it a metaphor, does a disservice to the season. Because um, it almost feels like it gives Willow a bit of an out. Mm-hmm. Um, like it won't fully co- commit to Willow doing these things. Um, and, you know, I the worst of that, I think, was front-loaded into this arc. And I think we've gotten past it for the most part. Um but see, it's it's more of this that I really wanted to see all along, where she was using her magic for, you know, darker reasons, not because she was compelled to magically, but because she could. Yeah. Um, I, I'm less interested in a storyline about a drug addiction for Willow, and more interested in a story about how the power is corrupting her. And, and like, I think... And that's a thin yeah, line. And remember when Giles, like, said... Um, you stupid girl when he found out about like mm-hmm. the spell um i'd like to think that this is what he was worried about too mm-hmm. and he has first-hand experience with all of that back from uh his own youth um ripper days, ripper days. Oh, it's so hot <laughs> um all right Any, anything else about villains not really this is a this is a great way to start this last this last bit of the season mm-hmm. um and it does feel uh, earned. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. Um, 4 out of 5 parking tickets that I'm in that I'm in a prison cell for. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, 4 out of 5 for me as well. Um, I'm going to get a 4 uh, generically, stereotypically African cave paintings out of 5. There you go. Um... Yeah, it's just, it hit all the right notes. Um, and a great way to take us into the final uh, the final stretch of episodes for the season. All right. Shall you take us out? I believe I will. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season 3, Episode 22, tomorrow. Is that the finale? That is the finale. Yes, season finale of yeah. Angel. I did debate um, if we should wait and do um do the dark willow and then do angel um instead of going in air order like we have been um but i i i I was like no we should finish up angel like put that to bed and then we can tackle these final two episodes back to back that felt like the that felt like the better flow for things Uh, I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. Uh, I'm also on Threads, but I've, it's been. I love how I love how every time you said you're, you're sharing like that you're on Threads, you're like, I guess I'm on Threads. Well, I don't know if I'm going to continue to be on Threads. It is. It is. Uh, I've been getting heavy, heavy recommendations for accounts that are um, either super transphobic and super Islamophobic. And I don't know why, because I 
I don't engage with that sort of shit because it's vile. Um, and I don't get that sort of stuff. Even on Twitter, I'm not getting that sort of shit. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's making me very uncomfortable. And I, I don't know. Uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamaj 357 Yeah. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out A-N-D. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week we like to give a shout out to uh, just, you know, causes that are near and dear to our hearts or are um, topical or what have you. Um, you know, it's been an unseasonably warm um, but we are about to head into like the deeper winter months and I anticipate, um, we'll get some pretty sudden temperature drops. So, um, and unfortunately that does mean the most vulnerable of our population, the unhoused are in a lot of danger. Um, so whatever you can do to, um, support shelters, um, or food banks or whatever you can. Um, I think we mentioned this on another episode recently, but um, unless the shelter is asking for something different, um, monetary donations are your best bet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, listen to them because they know what they need. And, um, uh, you know, charity isn't a time for a photo op. Just do the right thing. Just send money. Yeah. How about tens and twenties? Yeah. So... With all that being said, go slay and be gay. Bye. Bye.